Hello again, everybody, and welcome to Locked On Islanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, it had to happen sometime. The 10-game winning streak of the New York Islanders has come to an end. Unfortunately, the Pittsburgh Penguins end up with a 4-3 win over the Islanders in overtime on Thursday night at the Barclays Center. And, you know, nobody expected the Islanders to win all the remaining games on their schedule. I don't think that that was in the cards, realistically. But when you have a winning streak come to an end, you don't want it to come to an end the way that this one did. The Islanders blow a 3-0 lead after 40 minutes at home and end up falling to a division rival in overtime. Now, look, they picked up a point. They still have points in 11 consecutive games. But uh, as I said, this is not emotionally the way that you want to have that winning streak come to an end. And we're going to discuss that and a whole lot more on today's show. A little bit later, we will have this date in Islanders history. And of course, we will preview Saturday afternoon's upcoming game at the Barclays Center against the Florida Panthers. So once again, I am Gil Martin, your host. I am an Islanders author, historian, and been following this team since they came into the league in 1972. I am the author of Ice Wars, the complete story of New York's greatest modern sports rivalry, which is the complete history of the Islanders rivalry against the New York Rangers going back to its inception in 1972. And uh, we've got a lot to talk about. On today's show, we have to start out with what happened at the Barclays Center. A very, very frustrating loss for the New York Islanders to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Now, it's not that this game didn't have a share of positives. Certainly did. But overall, when you blow a 3-0 lead at home, that is demoralizing. Now, it didn't take long for the Islanders to get on the board. They scored quickly. It just took 19 seconds for the Islanders to take a 1-0 lead. A a shot by Ryan Pulak bounces off the end boards, and there is Casey Sezikis sitting there all alone, and uh, he puts it home, beats Matt Murray 19 seconds into the game. Michael Dalcol also assisting on the goal, and just very quickly, it's 1-0 Islanders, and... You know, everything seems to be going just fine if you're the Islanders. But at the same time, that's the only goal that scored in the first period. And the Penguins had a strategy. And they were peppering the Islanders with a lot of shots. A lot of shots from long range. And Simeon Varlamov had to make a lot of saves on those long range shots. What would happen strategically, and this was an idea to break up the Islanders' tight defense that they've been playing throughout the uh, you know the winning streak, especially. So they start peppering Varlamov with long shots and try to get deflections. Uh, but again, not deflections right in the crease or right outside the crease, but deflections from further out. And credit to Varlamov, he made eight saves in the first eight minutes of the game. Uh, and at the end of one period, 
it's still one nothing in favor of the Islanders, even though, you know, the Islanders were not necessarily outplaying the uh, the Penguins over the first 20 minutes of the game. So you're happy your team is leading after 20 minutes, but you realize, hey, you know, they're playing kind of iffy, and uh, we move on to the second period, and things got a little bit better for the Isles. For the second game in a row, the Islanders tally a shorthanded goal, this one coming at the 6.28 mark of the second period. And once again, it is the duo of Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck who has been playing so well. And Sezikis does what he's been doing in recent games and really all season long, and that is win a big faceoff. He remains the team's best and most consistent man on the draw. He wins the faceoff, feeds Cal Clutterbuck, and he delivers a snapshot that goes five-hole on Murray, and all of a sudden, 2 nothing Islanders, and again, a shorthanded goal in back-to-back games for the Isles. Clutterbuck, who didn't have a goal all season, all of a sudden had two goals now in back-to-back games, and it's 2 nothing Islanders early in the second period. Things got better for the Islanders just a little less than three minutes later. Adam Pellick scores his first goal of the season on a shot that deflects in off a skate and beats Murray. Matthew Barzal and Anders Lee get the assists, and at the 9.26 mark of the second period, the Islanders have a seemingly commanding 3 to nothing lead in this hockey game. And, you know, Islander fans at this point, and, and probably the team as well, is thinking, hey, we're all set. We've got 11 wins in the bag. And I'll tell you something, when you're playing a team like the Pittsburgh Penguins, who do have a lot of talent and do have a lot of firepower, that's not necessarily the case. Now, Varlamov continued to come up big for the Islanders over the first 40 minutes. He had 26 saves over the first two periods and was working on a back-to-back shutout. I mean, he didn't give up any goals Saturday night against Buffalo, and now he had gone two periods or 40 more minutes here without giving up a goal, but it didn't last long. And unfortunately for the Islanders and their fans, a dramatic and not-so-pretty final 20 minutes for the team that saw that 3 to nothing lead slip away. Treat yourself to the meal you deserve and have your favorite restaurants come to you with DoorDash. Right now, our listeners can get $5 off their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the promo code LOCKEDON. Alright, we're going to discuss the third period of last night's game. When we get back, lots more to get to right here on Locked On Islanders. So the third period gets underway. The Islanders are holding on to that 3-0 lead, and it only took 98 seconds for the shutout to go away. Jared McCann of Pittsburgh ends up scoring his fifth goal of the season. It was one of those shots that Varlamov was at least partially screened on. McCann shoots it through a crowd, a lot of people blocking Varlamov's view, and all of a sudden the puck is in the back of the net, and it's 3-1, to one, and you could just feel at that moment the momentum of this game, 
starting to shift. And that was a big problem for the New York Islanders because, you know, all of a sudden, you know, Pittsburgh had been playing a pretty solid hockey game, but they hadn't been able to beat Varlamov up until this point. And now the momentum starts to change. And you could feel the Penguins starting to get more pressure, feeling starting to get more confidence. And the Islanders almost, almost, you could hear them saying, uh-oh, look out, here's what's coming. And unfortunately for the Islanders, it did. The Islanders had a chance to take a 4-1 to lead. Beauvillier had a, a really good scoring opportunity at one end of the ice, but Murray went down and made an incredible save where he sort of stretched out his body and stopped Beauvillier, and then all of a sudden it goes back the other way, and Brian Rust puts home his third goal of the season. Evgeny Malkin and Jared McCann get the assists at 6-16, and all of a sudden, it's a one-goal game with 13:44 left to go, and, and you could feel it in the building. You could absolutely feel it in the building. Oh my gosh, all of a sudden now, it's a hockey game, and the other realization, you look up at the scoreboard, and there's just too much time left on the clock. Islanders clinging at that point to the 3-2 to two lead. And again, you can't really blame Varlamov for these goals. But, you know, that was sort of the turning point. Beauvillier, had he scored, the Islanders would have easily coasted to victory. I, I, I get the feeling it would have been 4-1. to one and the Islanders would have had control over the game, broken the momentum that the Penguins were gathering, and, and really had a chance to win it. Instead, it's 3-2, to two, and that momentum shift was just reinforced, and the Penguins continued to control play more and more as the game went on. And it didn't take long for the Penguins to tie it up. It took another two minutes and 32 seconds a rebound shot by Evgeny Malkin, who, you know, hasn't played all season, you know, a lot of games all season. He puts home the rebound of a shot by McCann, uh, and all of a sudden, that's his second goal of the year, and it's a 3-3 hockey game at 8.48 to go. So, wow. Uh, excuse me, at 8.48 of the third period. And then Barry Trotz, I think he did the right thing by calling his timeout just to get his team to regroup. And look, when you got a coach like Barry Trotz, he's experienced, he's seen it all, he's won a Stanley Cup, you want to have a guy who knows when to use that timeout. You only get one in hockey. Trotz used it. I think he used it at the right time. And then, what was it, about, you know, a minute and a half, not quite even a minute and a half later, the Islanders had a big chance because the Penguins were caught with too many men on the ice. But unfortunately, they could not get any real production on that power play. And all of a sudden, you know, that power play is over. And that was another missed opportunity. Had the Islanders been able to cash in on that power play, they would regain the lead, regain the momentum, and, uh, you know, would have made a difference, but they weren't able to cash in. And the power play has struggled at times for the Islanders over the course of the season even over the course of the winning streak, but they couldn't get it going here in a key spot. Now, look, the Islanders, you know, they had another 
situation where, oh, they almost, you know, there was some controversy where they could have had another power play coming, uh, but no call. I mean, you had a situation where uh, Yuso uh, Ricola was interfering with Brock Nelson. Nelson and the Islanders bench were screaming for a penalty pretty much, uh, but no interference call is made. And so with three minutes or so left in the third period, uh, it's still tied and they end up going to overtime. So you lose a 3 nothing lead quickly in the third period, pretty much over a 10-minute span. Then they regroup. The Islanders sort of hold on, goes to overtime. And then at the 3.25 mark of the extra session, it's Brian Rust again, his second goal of the game and the game winner. And again, he steals the puck from Brock Nelson and puts it home. The Islanders' winning streak comes to an end as Varlamov was unable to come up with the save. And uh, at the end of the day, Islanders lose it 4-3 to in heartbreaking fashion after having that 3 nothing lead after 40 minutes. Now, as far as the Islanders' defense was concerned, this wasn't their best outing. They did hold Sidney Crosby to three shots on goal. It was Malkin with four shots. Uh, but at the end of the day, uh, the damage is not done by either Crosby or Malkin, but by Brian Rust. Two goals on uh, four shots, and uh, including the game winner for the Islanders. Uh, can't blame Varlamov for this loss. I mean, you know, he had an 897 per save, save percentage, 35 saves. But, uh, you know, Brock Nelson, Anthony Beauvillier, both of them minus two in this game. And that was costly. Uh, Casey Sezikis and Cal Clutterbuck both plus two. And Sezikis with a goal and an assist. Clutterbuck, again, goals in two straight games. And those guys really played good hockey, but the Islanders, again, and this is not atypical for them, they don't manage a lot of shots on goal. Brock Nelson had three shots on goal, Sezikis had three shots on goal, and that was, you know, the two guys uh, among the forwards who were leading, Pulak and Pelik, both with three shots on goal from the blue line, and Pelik with a goal and an assist and a plus two on the game. It was Boychuk who was a minus two for the Islanders. Noah Dobson didn't play poorly, but ends up with a minus one rating in this contest. Strong game in the faceoff circle for Brock Nelson. He won 11 out of 18 uh, faceoffs. And in hits, you know, Anders Lee got physical out there. He was credited with six hits for the Islanders to lead the team. And that's not necessarily something you expect game in and game out from Anders Lee. But in the end, the winning streak comes to an end. The Islanders' 10-game streak is over. And uh, they end up falling apart late. And the important thing now, how do the New York Islanders respond? You know, losing the, the, the winning streak is one thing. But how do you respond when you lose a 3 nothing lead at home in the final 20 minutes of regulation time. I think they will respond well. I think, you know, Barry Trotz, like I said, he's been there. He's seen everything. He's done that. 
and the veterans on this team, the Johnny Boychucks on this team, uh, for example, the Anders Lee, the Josh Baileys, those guys are going to step up and make sure that this team responds in a positive way, and we'll see uh, how the Islanders do come Saturday in Brooklyn against the Florida Panthers. We will preview that game and have this day in Islanders history in just a minute. All right, this day in Islanders history, we take you back to November 8th, 1980, and at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Three win. They fell behind two to one. First, Butch Goring put the Islanders on the board first with his seventh goal of the year, but Daryl Sutter and Ted Bully scored for Chicago, and suddenly the Islanders were down. But then it was Mike Bossy and the Islanders to the rescue. Bossy with a hat trick, one goal in the second period, two goals in the third while Brian Trottier also had a big game for the Islanders in this one, as he constantly fed Bossy and added some points of his own. A rare occurrence now, Hall of Famer Tony Esposito in goal for the Blackhawks gives up seven goals in 36 shots. That is a paltry 8.06 save percentage for Tony Zero. For the Islanders, again, hat trick for Bossy and Brian Trottier ends up with a goal and three assists for the Isles in their big win over the Chicago Blackhawks. That was this date in Islanders history, November 8th, 1980. The Islanders were then the defending Stanley Cup champions and on their way to their second of four straight Stanley Cups. Okay, Saturday afternoon, it'll be the Islanders hosting the Florida Panthers at the Barkley Center, and that should be a big bounce-back game for the Islanders. Florida comes into this game 7-3-5, so that's 19 points in 15 games. They also lost in overtime on Thursday night, uh, this one to the Washington Capitals by a 5-4 to four score. So both of these teams hoping to rebound from overtime losses. Florida right now in fourth place in the Atlantic Division. Just one point behind the third place Buffalo Sabres and two points behind the second place Toronto Maple Leafs. And this is a team that has been completely revamped over the course of the offseason. They're a different team the biggest difference, Sergei Bobrovsky in goal, and of course, Joel Quenville behind the bench. And the team, the line you got to watch out for more than any other is obviously the number one line uh, for the Florida Panthers. They are a dangerous team, and the most dangerous player, Jonathan Huberdeau. Nine goals, nine assists, 18 points. Alexander Barkov, also a very very talented hockey player and one of those guys that you always have to keep an eye on. He is a playmaker first and foremost and that line of Barkov, Huberdeau, and Evgeny Dodonov is the top line for the Panthers and they are a line that the Islanders are going to have to find a way to stop if they hope to win this game. Florida is a good special team's 
team as well. They are ranked right now in the top 10, both on the power play and on the penalty kill, and they are ninth overall in the league in goals scored. Their weakness right now has been team defense. And, you know, they acquired Sergei Bobrovsky to be their goaltender. He's been in uh, 12 games so far. His record is 6-2, and two, but the stats aren't really that pretty. The goals against average, 3.36, and the save percentage, only 8.82. So that's uh, not exactly where you want to be if you are the Florida Panthers. You get the feeling Bobrovsky is going to find his groove, that the team is going to figure out how to play a little bit better defense in front of him. But clearly, uh, you know, Quenville is a is a solid defensive coach, but clearly uh, the Panthers not as strong in front of Bobrovsky as the Columbus Blue Jackets were in recent years. Florida also has a talented second line, Brian Boyle, centering Mike Hoffman and Brett Connolly. And then on defense, the player that everybody has to be aware of is the very talented Aaron Ekblad. He teams with Mackenzie Wegar in the first unit, and then some experience in the other defensive units. Anton Strahlman, for example, is teamed on the second pairing, and veteran Keith Yandel very often is on the third pairing, so some Good veteran players, Mike Hoffman, double-digit points, six goals, four assists. Brett Conley, five goals, five assists. This is a team that is very capable of putting points on the board, and we'll see how Barry Trotz and the Islanders try to defend them. It's going to be a big key for the Islanders on Saturday afternoon. Remember now, that's a matinee game that gets underway at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, at the Barclays Center, the Islanders now 1-0-1 in Brooklyn this season and 10-0-1 in their last 11 games, and they've gotten a point in each of them. Don't forget, if you want to be a part of the show, you can contact us via email at LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com, and I'm always happy to take your questions or comments, and if you leave your name and where you're from, I'll read your comments on the air and discuss any topic that Islander fans are interested in at the moment. You can also follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Isles. That's going to wrap things up for us today. We will return on Monday morning as we will break down and review the Islanders game against the Panthers Saturday and preview the next game coming up on the schedule. After the Saturday game, the Islanders will have some time off and won't be playing again until they face uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs and some guy named John Tavares on Wednesday. That game will be at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what kind of reception Tavares gets. I know last year, every time he came back to either Brooklyn or Long Island, he was not exactly greeted warmly. But now, maybe that a year has gone by, uh, Islander fans may not be quite as boisterous against Tavares for leaving them the way he did. All right. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Thanks, as always, for listening to Locked On Islanders. I'm your host, Gil Martin. We will see you back here next week on Locked On Islanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.